podcast with me joe yule and on this edition of the show we're going to be talking to one of the yoga elders uh, david sign from yoga beats who has a slightly uh, alternative way into his yoga practice and has been sharing this through chocolate and tequila and lots of other amazing tools um as he says um the body is hardwired for pleasure and there's no greater place on the planet to understand the true message of what he's saying there than in a place like ibiza so he totally qualifies um as a reset rebel and i'm really really excited to share um everything he has to say on today's podcast being one of the biggest rebels of all um and as he says in today's podcast a lot of people don't like what he has to say because it is very rebellious in his approach and his way into getting people out of their heads and into their bodies, which for me is like one of the most important things that we do through yoga is to completely disconnect from our naughty minds and actually tune in to what we're feeling and what we are actually creating by being more connected to the vessel that we all reside uh, within. And... This podcast is brought to you uh, by Giggle Water, and this is another brand on the island that exactly lives and breathes this message of balance and understanding um, that all the messages are deep within us all um, if we actually took the time and effort to look a little bit deeper and to connect a little bit deeper um, and also kind of, you know get into that whole balanced way of living so giggle water stands for living life in balance and everything in moderation and using yoga as a tool to transform on the inside by using breath work and movement to help inner transformation um so we are powered by giggle water um, and you can go and check out the giggle water website for some of the healing events and transformative um retreats that they're doing this year on the island and including one at the end of this month which still has places available so do join us and check out the giggle water wines website it's gigglewater.com and without further ado we get into this week's podcast with mr david sai of yoga beats so we're here in uh, the dizzy heights of camden town and the back garden of the beautiful wonderful lovely mr david Sai. welcome to the reset radio show thank you i'm blushing what can i do for you oh well you may well ask <laughs> is this gonna go on radio um i think yeah it's too late to uh, to turn back really so so here we are it's really lovely to have you here it's an absolute pleasure having obviously had you out to ibiza and in our um wonderful midst prior to uh, this particular visit in your in your own humble castle which is a beautiful thing we're sitting in this gorgeous garden surrounded by greenery and uh, beautiful plants thank you so much uh, do i take my clothes off now if you wouldn't mind actually that was coming next <laughs> oh, very kind i'm so glad you're just sharing this with a discreet six million <laughs> yeah no problem anytime okay cool so what can i tell you 
Well, um, obviously, you know, for those that don't know you and haven't met you or had you living under their wonderful roof, we just sort of, how did you get into yoga? Because obviously your practice is slightly less traditional and uh, people now call you a yoga elder, which I find hilarious. (laughs) It is funny. Um, I got into it because I was sick and I was dying. I had internal uh, tumors um, and through Tibetan yoga and their practices, um, not only did I get better, that I confounded um, all of the medical profession um, and I realized it was something that obviously they were not detecting and I was sick to death of the pharmacological industries that were just purporting their stuff in the name of health. It's not a health industry, it's a terror health industry. Um, So I went sideways and discovered that through yoga, um, not only did I feel great, I felt better than I had ever felt, Um, but I didn't like the austerity of yoga, and I still don't. Um, I'm a big mouth rebel. Um, A lot of people love me. A lot of people can't stand me because I do things like tequila raves. I break down the utter fucking bullshit of this spiritual paradigms that go around with people doing namaste. They don't even know what it means. Um, and what does it mean, David? Uh, it, 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 I salute the highest in you, you know. But the point of the fact is, can we stop nodding towards India? You know, India just sold back to us an idea which came out of Denmark, actually. There was gymnasts and uh, exercise routines that came out of that paradigm that the English army used in India. Uh, it got mixed up with Indian fakirs, mysticism, and uh, um, body contortionism. And then it was sold back to us by the Indians in the present form we now have, which is not what yoga is about. Yoga is not about doing postures. Yoga is not about anything other than the ability to feel so fucking happy about your life that if this was the last moment, you go, I don't give a shit. But we've all been caught up in the postures, you included. Sure, but then you work through it. It's an illusion. It's an illusion like the idea of beauty. Okay, take, it, take beauty, for instance. People think, well, this is beauty and this is not beautiful. Really? What's beautiful? Are you saying that a, a frog's not beautiful, a baby's not beautiful, an old person's not beautiful? What's not to love? So our fashion magazines are the cruelest things that we put out. So this judgment, this, this understanding, simply comes from naivety. And the naivety that proliferates through the physical world is simply ego. You know, I've got better pecs than you, and obviously I've got to be a stud in bed. Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, if you want to find dicks, go online, speed dating, you'll find them there. They all look great, but they're idiots because it has nothing to do with you. It's just what I call a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, you know, yoga has absolutely turned into just a big kind of fat foray, really, into this kind of egotistical, showy, uh, you know, world, which, you know, most people are so put off by it because they just think they have to be skinny and uh, able to kind of get into all these mad positions that are basically inaccessible for 99.9% of the population. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to... Apart from you. (laughs) I, I, I just don't buy that bullshit. It's ridiculous. For me, I just want people to get happy as quickly as possible. So we take tequila. We, we breathe a little bit. We have a few <laughs> stretches. That's pretty nice. I mean, you stretch anyway. When you, look, when you yawn, you stretch and you breathe. That's yoga. Finish. Uh, the rest of the time, you just spend your life hanging out in misery, uh, what if, if only, and all that other stuff. Now, if you eliminate that and go, you know what? It's 
fucking cool being alive. I mean, my mom at the moment, she, there's an emergency. I've got to go and see her, as you know. But, you know, still, life is sweet. While we're here, it's fucking sweet. And not to forget those things. And once you put that into people's concepts or minds, they realize that actually life is easy. Life is very pleasurable. Why does it have to be such a hard task? Why do you have to play life like a Monopoly game? And You know, you don't get 200 pounds till you pass go. Why is it that we, we're put through punishment by our society and our taxes? And if you park in the wrong place and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, everything is so difficult. Look, one of the things that people need to wake up about is the fact that our society kills us as we kill a frog. The way you kill a frog is you put it in a pan of cold water and you turn up the heat slowly. It doesn't know it's being boiled alive. And we accept this as normal. This is not normal. Why do you think people take a holiday? Because they have to get out of this. You can't make sense of this. That's why people fall apart on holidays. And they fall apart when they come back from work. The stress that's killing our society is killing all of us. And we need to wake up. And we need to realize that much of our society is wrong. And the taxes we pay are not going anywhere except to the wars, to the wars because the war industry is one of the biggest industries on this, on this planet. You know, I'm an absolute activist, and I want people to wake up. If I wake up to yoga, to myself, I wake up to everything around me, and that's what intelligence is. Mm. So all of us have to wake up, but we don't. Through fear, we go, you can just go to the tube, go to the underground, you'll see them coming out after work. They're all turned into robots, intelligent robots. I literally was on the tube on the way here. I haven't caught the tube for years. Yeah. And there were these two ladies sitting opposite me, and they said, um, oh, they were having a very interesting conversation but the first thing they opened with was oh thank god it's friday tomorrow and i thought <laughs> i just can't remember the last time those words came out of my mouth because every day is friday in my world and i'm i'm not being a smug git i'm actually just being honest that's right absolutely well you're out of it you've chosen a lifestyle that's out of it and and you know i suppose by default i did the same thing too uh luckily i read the signs and then I studied the ancient texts. I studied the ancient masters, and they all said the same thing. They said, celebrate your life, and everything else follows. See what is your highest point. There's a great story. Maybe Can I tell a little story? It's okay. About a chicken farmer finds an eagle's egg, and he hatches it and becomes an eagle. Anyway, it becomes an old eagle, scratches around with the chickens. And one day, this old eagle is scratching around with the chickens. He looks up in the sky and he sees this bird. And, and he says to the chickens, what the hell is that? And they said, it's an eagle. He said, what is that? He said, it's a powerful, e it's powerful, this animal. It just flies wherever it wants to. It does what it does. And nobody can tell it anything. And the eagle carried on. He said, oh, okay, fine. He carried on scratching through the corn. A couple of days later, he died as a chicken because that's what he thought he was. All of us are eagles. But we live like chickens. And that's the point. And us, you know, there's something in us. And people listen to this now. Really, you know, feel what you're feeling as you hear the story. <laughs> it relates exactly to you. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind at all. But, you know, obviously, for a lot of people, yoga is purely about the asana and the stuff we're doing on the mat. Obviously, it's a much bigger picture. But how did you kind of, you know, where did you get to this point? Where did you kind of, um, you know, get to the stage mm -hmm. where you understood that there is a lot more to the practice? Uh, when you see the miserable bastards that come off the mat at the end of the practice, you know, they can do all the asanas, they can do all that stuff, and they can do it on one finger, but they're manically, you know, they're, 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 they're clinically depressed, these people. 
and they need to do it. I mean, God forbid they should miss a practice. God forbid. You know, they can't get themselves together. So really, you're unstable. Um, you need to look at yourself psychologically. Um, and you need to look at your life. It's got nothing to do with your practice. So, you know, they, they, the practice becomes another religion. It becomes another austerity. And, and are they loving and kind to themselves and everybody else? No. Mm-hmm. So if they can't muster up the energy to actually stretch them out sideways on both sides to make a smile and feel good about their lives, obviously they're doing the wrong practice. Mm-hmm. So most people are doing the wrong practice. Just look at them. It's just a workout. It's just a workout for 99% of the people practicing yoga now. A very interesting website um, shut down. I sent them an email the other day, and I just got a response to say, yoga had just changed so much now into such a commercialized industry. They were closing the website, and there was no one there anymore. And I was like, God, that's just such a sad stage to have reached. And I think that that is basically almost like an epidemic that's, you know, reaching out across the whole world now. It's just got too big. It has got too big. It's a huge cash cow. People feel that by doing yoga, you see, when you do, when you breathe and you stretch, you do feel good. Um, and then they they they, they what they, they they latch onto it. Bending and breathing. That's bending what I call breathing. it. Yeah, bending and breathing. That's exactly right. <laughs> and they latch on this other stuff, this spirituality, and they whitewash themselves with this bullshit. Um, you know, and and then then they have funny f- diets. They can't eat this. And they can't eat that. And they're gluten-free and they're lactose-free and they don't like this and they don't like that. Well, before you started yoga, you could eat anything and now you can't eat anything. It, this, is just, it, this is just arrogance. This is just ego. This is just climbing the social ladder. It's, it's something because everybody's doing it now. Everybody has to do it like Zumba classes used to be, you know, all that crap. So nobody does Zumba anymore unless they're not in the right mind. What do you mean you don't go to Zumba anymore? Why not? Because I hate it. Because I actually went and did like yoga in front of Zumba. They asked me to do a yoga beats class in, in front of a Zumba class in Austria. There were like 300 women doing Zumba. And then I came out and did yoga beats. Um, and they loved it. And then everybody else got pissed off. And I just then I thought, OK, I'm, I'm leaving town. So um, <laughs> We got chased away. Kind of, yeah. But you don't like me because um, <laughs> I wake people up. They don't like it at all. As long as people, you know, stay in asleep and pay their money you know, and, and carry on trying to be better than the Joneses. And that's what it is in yoga. Um, and, you know, doing a handstand is incredibly important for your psyche and your spirituality. Why is a handstand important? Why is a headstand important? Why is a, why is a twist important? Why is any of it important? Look, if you're paraplegic in a, you know, in a wheelchair, you know, you say you don't have the right to be happy and to feel loved up, you know, so this is all absolute twaddle it's rubbish I couldn't agree more but I think you know there is a certain benefit to the asana that we can't deny however it has become definitely uh, yeah just reached a point where it's just it is just a bit boring really especially when you look at Instagram for example and just see everybody posing and just yeah I mean I, I, I think there's a you say there's a value to the asana well there's a value to being kind I think the first morality to any human being, if you want to get back onto the road which you lost because you, you, you sold out, or rather you were convinced by other people, is the ability to be kind to yourself. What does it take to be kind to yourself? Does it take a gin and tonic? Have your gin and tonic. Does it take staring at a, at a flower? Stare at a flower. That's what you did when you were a kid till someone told you to snap out of it. And because in the Bible and all the other great mystery schools it says and to, to that will be added 
What it means is that <laughs> if you have the balls, the courage to follow joy, more will be added. If you simply have what you call courage to follow fear, the fear paradigms that are being laid down by everybody else, guess what? You're going to get more of that. Make a choice. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer personally. So explain your uh, much, according to you, disliked uh, tactics of uh, chocolate and yoga, which I, I think are amazing. And I, I particularly love the tequila class that we did in Ibiza at Samskari in my own home, which was a, yeah. an absolute joy to have you there. Well, it was a joy to be there, my, my dear. And, you know, it, yeah, I, I just found that what happened with chocolate and tequila is that the body has a protoplasmic response to pleasure. It's hardwired for pleasure. So, you know, if it wasn't, why would anybody have sex? You know, I mean, I mean, you want to put your what in my way? You know, I mean, Jesus. So, I mean, that the, the reason for that is because it feels good. You'd never do it otherwise. What drives us are the things that feel good, obviously. You know, and you think Christ, Krishna, Buddha, Muhammad were, were any different? No. They're all driven by the same things. Obviously, we're a bipedal ape that's just developed at the frontal cortex of the brain. We're nothing more than that. Let's not to get too far above ourselves. But when we work with pleasure, we find the profit of our lives. That's profit. You know, I mean, you, I, I, I work with people in the city, um, and there's a lot of guys in their, I'd say, middle to late 30s with zippers down the fronts of their chest. They've had open-heart surgery because they're doing the markets, you know, and they never get to sleep, and they're stressed all the time. Stress kills more people than overt war. So um, you have to ask yourself first, what is the quality that I'm experiencing in my life and how long do I want to experience that? Or if you're working for that moment, that payoff, when you go on holiday and you have all that money and, and, and in between, it's okay to have money. I, you know, I got money and it, it feels nice. But in between, you're going through sufferation, as Bob Marley would say then why are you going through suffering? You don't have to. I'm not going through suffering. I lead a very good life. I work hard, but I love it. I don't call it work. It's my pleasure. I'm not sure what work is anymore. You know, I love what I do. I'm fucking so motivated. I just come back from Canada. I'm off to Kazakhstan. I go back to Canada at the end of May. I'm working with uh, Native Canadians. Um, I go back to a powwow with 30 elders because I'm getting involved in uh, the rights of the Canadian uh, first inhabitants. Um, and I'm stringing that together with Palestinians, whose only crime is that they were on the land first. So I'm so fucking excited to be able to do that. And it just happened. It happened because I followed the root of my joy. It's not because I planned it. I'm not that clever. I'm intelligent, but not clever. That's for sure. Um, and there is a big difference, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um, so those things have happened, and I feel like I, I just jump out of bed in the morning. Um, things happen. Like my mom, is, she's gone ill. Those things happen in life, and people die. But in between, get as happy as you can. Grab all you can. You know, you've got two hands, and hands grab. So don't grab with one. Grab with both. You know? But most people can't see the wood for the trees. They're stuck in this thing. They've got all these commitments. They're working nine to five. They're working five days a week. You know, they're paying all these bills. They are stuck. How do you get out of the stuck zone? Okay, well, I was stuck. 
I painted myself in a corner. I was running a restaurant called Manor Restaurant, which is the original, the you know, the original vegetarian restaurant in London, from '87 to 1990. And I painted myself in a corner. I was with the wrong partner, <laughs> five cats and a flat, and I was working 18 hours because I was the head chef. Um, and I stood in the full moon, one full moon. It's as silly as that. And I went, if there's anybody out there, get me out of this fucking place because I'm in the wrong place in my life. I just got to admit it. The next day, it was quite incredible. One guy came in, Preston Heyman. He's the, the drummer with, with um, Kate Bush. It was with Terrence Trent Darby, if you remember him. And he said, there's a... Cause of I'm, course. Who could course. forget Terrence Ter- Trent Darby? He's so fucking cool. I love Sign him. your name. Yeah, baby. <laughs> And uh, actually, you sign your name. Uh, Preston did the, the drum track on that. That was that was a whole that was a whole trip that made it happen. But he came in because I'm a DJ, and he said, you know, I, I uh, if you want to uh, be a DJ on a radio station in Belgrade, they're paying like a thousand pounds in your hand and six hundred pound a week, and like in you know nineteen ninety, just the beginning of nineteen ninety, that was huge money. So I said. Why would I want to do that? I mean, let's go and work for, for Gaddafi. I mean, they just started a war. But then I realized I asked. And so 24 hours later, I said, okay, I agree. Um, and my life completely changed. I immediately found myself in a new place, outside of my comfort zone. See, if you ask for joy, be prepared to go outside of your comfort zone because you'll go on a journey that you've never been before. You'll go to a place you haven't been. And it's like this... If you're on a train and you, you're going to a new destination, when you get there, you're not going to recognize anything to begin with, obviously. So don't try to go backwards in your life. Go forward. Keep going forward. But then you meet people at that new level, and that new level takes you even higher. And each level takes you to another level and to another level. And you have to be an adventurer. You know, that's why people climb mountains. That's why people surf. But I'm, not, I'm saying to you now, don't climb the mountains outside of yourself. Climb the mountains inside of yourself. Surf the waves inside of yourself. They're the real ones because your fear is the mountain. Your fear is that massive wave. Can you do it? Well, if you don't, then you just wimp out. And the worst thing that can happen, you, you can die. That's it. <laughs> so you're going to die anyway. So, <laughs> oh, thanks for coming on this show, David. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> You're on the way out. All of us are. But you know why we're here? We need to wake up. That's it. You know, one of my masters said to me, he says, if you think your time is short, it's shorter than you think. And so what it does, that paradigm for a yogi, a real yogi, they, in India they used to, you know, and, and in Tibet where I learned, they, they, they sleep on, on skulls. Why they do it? Why they have strings of skulls around their neck? is to remind them that death, if you make death your friend, you really start to live. Otherwise, what you're into is uh, some sort of uh, idea of living. Um, And if you don't live with love, if you think without love, you're hallucinating, okay? Thinking without love, loveless thoughts are hallucinations. And our world is a mass hallucination. It's a mass hallucination. There's no love. It's loveless thinking all the time. Everyone's an enemy. Everyone's threatening you. Everyone's tax, enemies, bombs, you know, da, 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 all that stuff. Not true. Mm. Just I think not true. you said some very telling words when I first met you at the Bestival Festival. And yeah. I think <laughs> after I uh, had been uh, doing your class and spinning around in a Sufi dance and almost vomiting into the bushes <laughs> sh- shortly after, I think you said to me, I was uh, 
I think a lot of people go through this when they become into yoga and they get nervous about drinking and they get nervous yeah. about having sex and they get nervous about all this stuff that we think we're not supposed to do. And you were like, well, I still drink and I still do that. And, you know, as long as you do it with love, then it's basically fine. It absolutely is. I mean, you, you make the rules. You have to elect yourself the authority or you make the doctor the authority who's selling the pharmacological drugs to you because he's getting a, a commission and you think because he's a doctor... <laughs> He's a uh, hot shit. But, you know, I mean, doctors, they're the highest addicts we know. They die all around the age of about 56, 57. Um, and we know this for a fact. It's, uh, and we're taking advice from these people. We're taking advice from politicians who build their careers on who tells the best lies. Um, we're taking our money from banks that are printing money that have no... Uh, monetary source at, 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 at you know in origin they I mean if we printed money with with without a gold bar at the end of it you know I mean if you printed money you go to jail they're printing money all the time you know so and and the, your taxes are going for, towards wars are not helping society so you know we still I, and I work with with kids in the inner city where we're raising money through the donations of very kind people uh, grocers and ordinary people to go and do that work. Why am, why am I, you know, f funding that through ordinary people? Why am I getting ordinary people to fund my work in the Middle East in a war zone when governments are spending money on tanks and wars? We have to wake up to that stuff. In my lifetime, um, you know, I, I, I want to do all I can to bring awareness to myself and everybody else. I mean, it's just stupidity that we believe these people and we still keep voting for them, thinking they can do something. They can't do anything. We have an industry called, you know, an arms industry. It's the biggest industry on the planet. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's all a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's it. And tell us about your work in, in Palestine and Israel, because obviously you go over there regularly and teach classes yeah. and try and sort of rebond the two sides together. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, last year I did a big uh, festival in Israel. It was the first festival I did after the bombing of Gaza in 2014. Um, I wasn't going to do the festival until I got permission from all my Palestinian students, which I've been teaching since 2004. I went around to all of them, and they all gave their permission because it was for peace and transformation, the festival. Uh, one woman had a house flattened. She gave permission. She says, give them a message from us. I said, what is the message? She said, we love them. You know, I walked away from that thinking, I don't know if I could say I love them if they bomb my house to the floor. Jesus Christ, we're talking about sainthood. You know, that's, that's the level of sainthood to be able to have that much love for your enemies. Um, so I'm going back there again um, in May, and I'm doing the festival in May, uh, and, I, and I told the, the Israelis, I said, you know, whatever you pay me, you know, I'm taking that into Palestine. You okay with that? They went, yeah. I said, okay, and then I'm doing it. Um, so I'll go there. I'll go back into Palestine um, and last year when I did it, I, I, when, I, when I, uh, I taught the Israelis, I said, you know, there's a whole bunch of people on the other side of that border there. I said, they fucking love you. I said, you know, um, they speak a different language, but, you know, they're human beings just like you. I said, have you got a message for them? And they were like, wah! They all punched the air with their fists. And then when I went to Bethlehem, I had 300 Palestinians on a roof and we were doing yoga beats and I said I know you don't want to hear this and you see me and you know me for 2004 I'm a Jew 
non-religious, not stupid to you guys because I love you and you're my family. I said, and I, you know, you don't hear this, but there's a whole bunch of people on that other side of that border who absolutely fucking adore you. And they all punched the air again with their fists and jumped up and down and started screaming. You know, that is going on. But you know what? Nobody's reporting on it. Why? Because, you know, the press are very, very responsible for the wars on our planet. It's not big business. It's, you know, peace, love, celebration is not business. What's real for human beings, it seems to be their only reality, is devastation, blowing someone up, you know, dismembered limbs and all that stuff. We, I got that all in Bosnia on a three-sided war. I saw all that work there. You know, it hasn't changed. It's the same old story. But it, it's a story. It's not true. There's more love than, there's, than there is the, the cruelty. When I interviewed the Dalai Lama, I, I said to him, have the Chinese become a predatory ape? He says, no. He says, in the first place, there's always human kindness. Look at children. If a child falls down in a playground, the others come around and comfort. People do that in, 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 in the street, generally. They come there, and there's beautiful people that come from nowhere and suddenly try to help another person. That's in the first place for human beings. We learn to be hard-assed. We learn that stuff through fear. So we have to change our culture because it will re-educate. And I'm here in my lifetime to try to do that. In my, you know, I can't change the world, but I can change my world. That's for fucking sure. So, you know, I want to make my world as loving as, and as peaceful as possible because I want the joy. Why? Because I want the payoff. I love it. I don't want to stand, hang out in fear. It stinks. So what is this obsession with bad news? I mean, you know, I've been a yeah. journalist for, for 10 years of my life and read bad news out loud for a living, which is something I, you know, definitely regret to a degree. It was like very exciting to me at the time. Fresh out yeah. of university, I was like, you know, absolutely yeah. loving you know, the more dramatic my news bulletin headlines could be, the better, the more terrifying. Uh, but looking back on it, I just think, Christ, what the hell was I doing? Yeah. Why? Yeah, Why no. did that excite me so much? And I, I, I definitely want to reverse my radio karma, which is part of what this whole yeah. show is about. So sure. I just find that whole thing fascinating. You've obviously done a similar job. Yeah, I mean, I'm a social anthropologist. And, and one of the reasons that the human ape survived was that if you could spot danger first, it had a chance of survival. So we look for the danger first. It's in our DNA, literally. That. That's why idiots like Trump get so much uh, you know, headline, because you know, as long as they're just controversial and stupid, um, they get headlines because we pay attention to it. What, you know, so that was a reason for our survival, that we paid attention to that which is threatening to us. So that's really the chink in which bad news um, rules supreme. Uh, once we've identified the bad news, we go back to trying to make good of our lives. What I'm saying is this, that make that minor. Make the bad news minor because that is a cell. In our society, it's obvious. You don't have to pass fifth grade to figure that out. It's a cell. Bad news is a big cell. And, and start to maximize your good times. Start to hang out with people you love. Start to hang out with the things you love. And if your time is short on this planet, hang out doing things that you adore. And, and you'll, you'll, be, you'll be amazed how life conspires to conform to that level of joy. And what I mean by that is life itself is benign. Obviously it's benign. Or you don't think it's benign? Well, so choose any asshole you like. An asshole 
in order to be an asshole, it has to have a body that's benign. It has to have a body that works. The heart has to work, the liver has to work, the kidneys have to function, everything has to work so they can, be, they, they can behave like an asshole. <laughs> you can't behave like an asshole and, and, and have that paradigm working through your body, you'd be dead. So <laughs> life will promote a serial killer and a saint. It has no judgment. And therefore, in order for a serial killer to function, a serial killer's body has to be benign. So everything actually is benign. The non-benign or the negative is a non-event. Can I explain that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you turn the light on, you are sending onness down the wire. Onness. Because the electricity is onness. Okay? If you turn the light off, you can't send offness down the wire. It's either on or off. Offness is a non-event. So there's only onness. So goodness is the only thing in town. It's the only game worth playing. Kindness, happiness, joy, celebration. You know, Jarastafari. That's the only game in town, man. What's your good news then? Give us some good news, David, because uh, I'm dying to hear some. I'm breathing. <laughs> That's it right now. Well done, you. <laughs> and you people listening, you're breathing too. In spite of all the bullshit in your life and the pain and da-da-da-da, you're breathing. And while you breathe, you've got reason to celebrate. No excuse. You know, that's it. And when you're gone, you're gone, baby. So we can talk about where you go and what happens. It doesn't really matter. While you're here, while you've got the next breath, why are you wasting your time hanging out in fear? Hang out in joy. Go right out now and celebrate. Because if you had cancer... If you're on the way out, if this was your last day, would you honestly be hanging out doing that bullshit you're doing right now? No. It's obvious. It's so obvious. And, and, and what's keeping you from that? Your ego, which is set like a barometer on fear. Fear is pushing you. Wake up to it. Wake up before you lose it. How do you notice, though, that you're absolutely... Pet I mean, obviously, we, we feel fear... And I've obviously, well, I've definitely felt a lot of fear in my time, but I've, I have actually luckily been one of those people that's definitely done loads of stuff in my life that's terrified the crap out of me. And I could name many events that I've forced myself into, sure. forced myself to do, including becoming a journalist. Even just reading the news for me was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. I absolutely despised it with a passion for the first few years because every day I felt sick right. and I had to go and have a little chat with myself in the mirror in the bathroom before I went into the studio because I was like... I can't do it. I right. actually can't do this. Like, I was just so ill with fear. It was horrific. Hmm. But of course, once you get into the groove of it and you're, like, reasonably okay at something, that dissipates. But sure. how do you, you know, just that sensation of kind of forcing yourself or, or moving away from the fear and just throwing yourself full force into something that you just recognize to be a terrifying experience? Well, the thing is you have to have a payoff, and the payoff is pleasure. Obviously, you're going through fear in order to get to pleasure, and, and that's what most people do. But what I'm saying is that most people get lost in the fear. They say, well, I'm just going to do that job a little while, and then I'll do something I really want to do. Or what you do is where you give your, give your energy, give your time, you give your life. So to stay acutely awake 
This is what consciousness is. When we talk about consciousness in all the mystery schools and the spiritual schools about consciousness, consciousness is... <laughs> I love that, the mystery schools. I'm sorry, that's brilliant. Yeah, well, that's what it is, you know. <laughs> well, so, no one can make any bloody sense of these books that they sell in the shops no. about consciousness. I mean, what the fuck is consciousness anyway? It's like it's just such a mythical, ridiculous, labyrinthine kind of topic that no one really can navigate no. into what the actual point of that word really means. I <laughs> mean, please... Right. That's right. Well, consciousness is like saying yoga. Nobody knows what it is. Consciousness is, is like saying happiness. How do you define it? Well, you can only self-define these things. So it, it is a personal journey. You can't live for your children. You can't live for your parents. You can't live for your families. Consciousness wakes you up. And when you wake up, it's like going to a party where everybody's like being caning it and they're out of their heads and you're, you're, you're straight. You know, that, that's what it's like. You suddenly wake up and you see everybody's asleep. Um, but you don't know that while you're in it. Like, you don't know you're wet until you come out of the water. While you're in the water, you don't know you're wet. It's when you come out, you go, oh, I'm wet. Okay, so it's the same thing. You have to have something. That's why usually it's enough pain. It's enough pain that wakes people up into consciousness. That's why I always say, if you have enough pain, you're lucky. You wake up. But what people do is they play the edge of their pain. So most people live their lives like they're in some sort of sadomasochist uh, party or something. You know, They just, just take enough. Or I can just about take enough and no more. So they play the edge. When you get a lot of pain, you go, fuck that. <laughs> okay, I'm making a change, okay? That's what happens. Because the ego itself says that. The barometer that keeps you in that paradigm says itself. To hell with that. We need to move on. So it's good when people have pain. That's when they really wake up. I get people all the time coming to me. They've just got to the end. They've lost their partner. They've got some illness, some disease. Something's broken down. They've lost their job. Great. That's perfect. Now we begin. Now we begin. Every day you can begin. You can change your mind. No, no, I can't. I've got to pay my bills. Really? You can just, you're just living to pay your bills? What, you think that like your bills are waiting for you to be born? Like, you know, get born, get born because you have to pay me? Come on. Life is not about that. So if you work, you know, I, I've got a lovely flat you can see. Um, I get invited around the world to do my work. A lot of the work that I do, I just give it away. I don't charge anybody anything. I just get supported by other people. Um, you know, and, and, and I just always have enough and everything is provided for. I don't know how it works out. I just follow my joy and everything always works out. As soon as I start to try to be clever with it, it starts fucking up. And I start selling my soul to the devil. You dance with the devil again. So in, have the, it's the courage to follow happiness. It's real hard. What I'm talking about is like climbing a fucking mountain. You've got to have the courage, the balls, to follow pleasure. If you really follow it, you'll find that everything will work out. Everything comes to you. Money comes. Relationships come. The right things come. But you have to feel it. You have to follow your feelings and understand this. Okay, so I'll give you a little clue. I'll give you a way of doing it. Imagine how it would feel if the things that you really want in your life happened. Imagine how that would feel. And then stay in that feeling for a just over a minute. We call it 68 seconds. It's actually a sacred number. You stay in that feeling for 68 seconds. It's just long enough for the universe to conform to it. The universe will conform to that. 
just stay. How would it feel if it happened? Not, oh, I want that. No, how would it feel if you got it? Stay there. And then start living like that had already happened. And then what happens is everything conspires to conform to it. And it sounds like bullshit till you try it. And you won't try it until you're in enough pain. <laughs> So until you're desperate, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. until you've actually literally hung up your boots and you've given up on everything. That's it. Boom, you'll give it That's away. It. What did that fucking freak say on the radio the other day? Oh, Jesus Christ, it's all falling to pieces. Let me try that now. Because when I was listening to it, it sounded like utter hippie bullshit. But yeah, it has to fall to pieces before you try it. Before, we were talking about people that obviously go and party in Ibiza and obviously yeah. get high. Yeah. Um, but we were sort of talking about this kind of process about getting high on life naturally particularly like in your classes with the yeah. tequila and the breath and the kind of movement yeah. movement being medicine etc I mean a lot of people when I kind of you know um, obviously used to go out and um, get on it yeah. back in my 20s like big time sure. um, I obviously I don't know if you create a certain kind of like memory uh, in your sure you body yeah, you where do. you kind of remember those yeah, sensations yeah. and then when yeah. I've gone back completely sober as a judge um, not to say that I don't indulge in anything anymore, ever, but I'm just saying, like, sometimes the music can just be that good. You'll get that exact same feeling yeah. in that exact same moment on the dance floor. I mean, you know, what is the difference here? What is the difference between what? Well, obviously between being conscious and having clarity and getting high naturally. I mean, how yeah. do how does one cultivate that? I think a lot of people would probably give up getting on one because of the uh, sort of death-defying results the next day that, you know, obviously yeah. sort of uh, inhabit most people from enjoying themselves as much as they could yeah. do, particularly when they live in Ibiza or come here on holiday. Yeah, drugs... You know, and, and if you had drugs, I mean, uh, uh, we're full of drugs. <laughs> Our bodies are, you know, in order to feel anything, it creates uh, a chemical process, obviously. So it's very easy to understand that. You can add to that, but it's literally an attitude. You can get stoned on your own attitude. Uh, by breathing, I can get people out of their, uh, utterly out of their box and get them on an acid trip simply by breathing. That's very easy to do. Uh, but the attitude that, that goes underneath it is the one, the willingness to go, you know what, I deserve to party. I really want to party. I don't give a shit about anything. I'm dropping my stress. I'm dropping my bills. I'm dropping my, I didn't do this. And I should have done that. And, oh, my God, blah, 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 blah. That is an attitude. That's a state of mind. And if you can, you know, cut your mind, if you've got that state of mind where you drop it, you, you know, I mean, maybe it take you a spliff to do it. Maybe it take you a glass of tequila. Okay, so use your spliff. Use your, you use your glass of tequila. I got no problem with that. Uh, but that just kind of helps you drop that stress that you're carrying with you. See, stress takes a long, you need a lot of drugs. You need a lot of stuff. You need a whole night, you know, of caning yourself to get past that stuff. That's the level of stress that we're carrying in us. That's why you need all that stuff. Um, and for, for kids to break away from the society that they're being groomed for. See, kids, when I was a kid, I was being groomed for this society. I was being programmed. And in order to get past my, the programming that was going on for me, I, I, would, I would get caned. And, and, and that's the reason I did it. So there's a reason why that's happening. And the programming is very strong in our society. We don't know it, but it's like I said, boiling a frog. You turn the heat up slowly. And so in a human being, there's software and, and, and hardware. And the hardware of a person is innocent, happy, benign. The software gets programmed by the big people. 
So you can look right back at mom and dad and your family and your society to see your own programming. And deprogramming ourselves is actually the path of enlightenment. That's the path of consciousness, to, to deprogram yourself. Uh, you can do it with drugs, but it kills your body finally. Uh, but if you deprogram yourself in your head, you'll find that the drugs in your body, the benign drugs, the feel-good drugs, become an everyday um, fix. <laughs> and you become addicted to joy. You become addicted to pleasure. You become addicted to the welfare emotions as opposed to being addicted to the emergency emotions. Everybody, 90% of people are addicted to the emergency emotions. They, they don't believe anything unless it gives them pain. They need some pain. So, you know, because they're addicted to pain. They think they have to go through pain barriers. Then, oh, wow, that was good. You know, so that's what people do in yoga. That's what people do in work. I've got to go through pain. Why have you got to go through pain? You may have to apply yourself, but you need to take a break too. Otherwise, you know, your work is going to suffer. Because you know what it's like, you know, if you're doing work and you're pushing yourself and pushing yourself, you can see that the quality of the work is shit. The next day after you've rested, you have to redo it again. So rest. But I call it a doing disease. I mean, we all have yes. this doing disease. And actually, the times when I have gone away, because I'm incredibly lucky to take a nice break in the winter time and I've actually gone for the last two years to India and I've done everyone's like oh what did you do and I'm like nothing I didn't do anything that's I right. actually did nothing and I've never been the kind of person that's been able to do nothing I've always felt like I should be doing something right. I had ants in my pants my entire life until I got a really bad injury in my body uh. and was forced to do nothing and then I was like god doing nothing is amazing yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> why have I not done this before it's incredible what can happen when you start to do nothing yeah. what is that about us that you know always you know and, and it's terrifying what might happen when we actually stop yeah it's like the buddha baby the cat don't want to move you know the buddha doesn't want to move the buddha's just sitting there what would happen if it stopped what happened if you stopped well you just stop nothing would fall to pieces the world would carry on as if it's you know as it always has done it's nothing to do with you um you're on a treadmill like a rat um and the fact of the matter is that you know as you choose better options those options start showing themselves in your life but we have no trust and we're driven by our ego the ego look let me explain this some to you about the ego the human ego is literally there in the human animal to make sure you f get fed it says move your ass otherwise you're not going to get fed okay so because we're a weak animal in the animal kingdom when we became top of the food chain that's what happened it's just basic social anthropology um, and so people get their, their ego is set like a barometer. So the ego is always going, survive, survive, survive. That's why when you get a job, it goes, that's it, don't change. And that's why people have such hard times changing jobs because the ego is driving them nuts. So that, you, you know, breaking past their ego is, is, is a huge thing. Uh, but once you make the ego your servant rather than your master, now you're in charge of your life. Most people are not in charge of their lives because you can press their triggers. You can see. I could go up to someone and say, you fucking bastard, and they're insulted for life. Or I go up to someone and say, you're a really great guy. They think, wow, what a great fella he is. I just pressed their buttons. I didn't mean it. So it's very easy to program people, and it's very easy to set people off. Once people become aware of their own programming, now they become powerful. You see, sex is easily manipulated. That's why we have a billion, trillion dollar porn industry. 
and and it's real easy. Love, on the other hand, is dangerous. <laughs> you can't manipulate it. It manipulates you. So nobody likes love. They <laughs> <laughs> like sex, but no love. Okay, because you can't manipulate love. Love is 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 regarded as a, 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 a you know a, a, a dreadful thing to be feared. As as you know, so that this is the point. You start to see these things, and and that's why lying is supported by politicians, religious leaders, and everybody. Because a lie, you know, if you, you the ego says, you know, if if you pretend that truth, you know, you, you get status. So, you know, a lie is looked upon as a strong thing, and telling the truth is regarded as a weak thing. So everybody lies because they give an illusion about themselves. Look, two people going out with each other, right? They get made up. They get made up. The guy gets his best you know, threads on, the woman does her eyes and does this and does that, da, 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 da. and then they go out and they have these storylines for themselves because they want to tell the best storyline to each other. And he's got an idea of her and she's got an idea of him due to the different storylines. And that's, there's not two people going out, it's six people going out, okay? So <laughs> after like a week or so, she breaks down crying because of something has happened. And he goes, fuck, I didn't know she would cry. Or, I didn't know she would, that all that psychological stuff was there. Well, that's only because she presented one side of herself. What she was presenting was a lie. It wasn't real. When you dig a little deeper, you start to find the reality behind a person. So that's a relationship. And what's a relationship? Well, the only relationship you can ever have is the one you're having with yourself. And that's why you're having that with everybody else. So don't blame your partners to do with you. It's always to do with you. So we love to blame the other. And again, you know, if you point a finger, the three fingers pointing back at yourself. That's the only relationship you can have. That's why I always say the best relationship you can have is the one you have with the dog. Yeah, when you come home, the dog wants to play with its bone. It brings the bone. And you're too tired and... The dog doesn't stand there and say, oh, you know, you, did, you played with me yesterday, you, you don't want to play with me now. The dog accepts you as a human being, and you accept the dog as a dog. And then later on, the dog comes and plays with the bone, and you, you rub its belly. And, you know, the dog wants you to be a human, doesn't want you to be anything else, and you want the, be, the dog to be a dog. But what people do is they get a dog, and they try to teach it to meow. But the dog just barks. But they keep trying to teach it to meow, and all it does is bark. Well, if you wanted a dog that meowed, why didn't you get a cat? Don't get a dog. So people get dogs and they try to teach it to meow. Get a cat. If you want you know, a horse, get a horse. Don't try to change your partner. Change you. That's the point. We try to transform each other. Stop trying to do it. I'm not doing this. And I'm not even saying this interview to try to transform someone else. This is what I'm doing to me. I don't give a shit what happens to you. I really don't. I don't give a shit what happens to the Palestinians or the native Canadians. I'm doing the work for them. It's for me. Obviously. It's my world. That's, how, that's the authenticity of it. If I think I'm going to do someone else, I'm just another megalomaniac. Messianic, narcissistic megalomaniac, like all the other stupid despots around this, our world, running the, 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 our world like a circus. So it's for me, obviously. Well, good for you that you're doing what you love and you're Selfish changing bastard. the world. One, uh, yeah, one Palestinian at a time. I guess it has to start with me. And then I can really offer something, but not because I'm projecting it onto Palestinians, because it's authentic within me. That's the point. 
That's what I mean. That when you, when you go to see your mother, like I'm going to see my mother now. I'm going there to help. But why? Because it gives me joy. It gives me joy to be with her, to support her. It gives me joy. I feel it, obviously. I don't know what she's really feeling, even though she's my mother. I can't feel for her. I can feel for me. And to really start to wake up to that, that's the big one. And then you do things authentically. Not because, you know, you're waiting for a payoff for your mother going, oh, aren't you a good son? Or someone going, aren't you a good person? Fuck all that. You know, all that approval that you get on Facebook. These stupid thumbs up. You know, it doesn't mean anything. What do you care what people think on bloody Facebook? It means nothing. It's, 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 it's much ado about nothing. <laughs> I think that's well, it. I think we should probably call that quits because I'm I'm quite up for uh, yeah getting getting on to uh, giving that a bash. Um, right. Pretty much, hasta pronto. Thank you. Can I put my clothes on? Would you mind, David? I mean, for God's sake, just put it away now. <laughs> okay, okay. We've had your 20 minutes. Oh, Time's Jesus. up. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, darling. It's been fun hanging yeah, loose with you that. in the garden, David. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> David, it's been an absolute pleasure. As always, thank you so much for joining us here on Reset Radio. Thank you so much for having me on Reset Radio. Check it out. Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel.